Rav Tzvi Elimelech of Dinom was a nephew of the great Nom Elimelech, Elimelech of Lezhensk. He was a rabbi of several cities in Poland, huge Tamit Chacham. When he was 10 years old, his father took a position as a teacher in a distant town. The young boy's father spent the duration of the winter in a Jewish-owned inn. In those days, it was normal for a teacher not to see his family from October to April. That winter was particularly bitter. Snowstorms lasted for a week. During one such storm, a knock was heard at the door. and The innkeeper opened the door and found three half-frozen Polish peasants requesting a place to stay. He inquired of their ability to pay and found that their combined funds were not enough for even one night's stay. The innkeeper closed the door on them. The teacher was shocked, complained to the innkeeper, like, what are you doing? Let them in. And uh, he just shrugged off and responded, you want to undertake their expenses? And much to the innkeeper's surprise, the teacher agreed. The peasants thanked the, their benefactor and proceeded to enjoy themselves at his expense. And that storm was particularly brutal. The peasants remained in the hotel for two weeks. And after the snow cleared enough for passage, they thanked the teacher profusely and left. Mm-hmm. Pesach approached, and the B'nai Sachar's father went to settle his account. The innkeeper figured that he owed the teacher 40 rubles for teaching his children, but yet the teacher owed him 43 rubles for taking in the peasants. Unbelievable. The innkeeper wished him a happy Passover and said, don't worry, you could bring the three rubles when you come back after the festival. Teacher didn't know what to say. He bid his employer farewell and left. He traveled to his village, but he couldn't bring himself to go home. He not only made no money, he now owed money. All those months trying to earn a living for his family. And now he owes people money. So he stopped into one of the local synagogues opened the book of the Talmud, and immersed himself in study, again unable to go home and face his family. In the meantime, his son heard that his father was in town, went looking for him. He found his father in shul. And young Tzvi Elimelech ran to his father with great emotion, begged his father to come home. Please, Abba, come. I want to show you the new Pesach shoes and the new Pesach clothing that Ima bought, obviously on credit, hoping that the father can come back and pay. This made the father only feel worse. As he walked home, a chariot came rumbling through the streets. The streets of that town were very narrow. Pedestrians were forced into alleyways to avoid being trampled. And as the coach passed by, uh, the two, the father and son, it hit a bump and a parcel fell off the back. The father picked it up and began running after the coach, but he was unable to get the coachman's attention. And it turned the corner, corner and disappeared. The father looked at the parcel and he saw no distinguishing marks on the bag. And according to Torah law, in such a situation, it may be presumed that the owner would relinquish all hope of its recovery. And the lost object may be kept by the finder. Realizing that there was no possible way for him to locate the owner, he opened the parcel. And inside were exactly 43 rubles. And that night of the Pesach Seder, the son was given the job to open the door for Eliyahu and Avi. 
And when he opened the door, he called to his father, Abba, 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 come, come, come quick, come quick. What is it? What is it? Look, look. The coachman is here. He's here. The father runs to the door and he looks outside and he saw no one. This young boy at eight or ten years old was able to see Eliyahu Navi. Why do I say this? Because this young boy eventually became to be known as the Bnei Sashar, named after the book that he wrote and the great commentaries on much of the Torah. And it's with this Sefer, from this young boy, who eventually, of course, grew into a huge Tamid Chacham, that I present for you, listeners, six different explanations on the famous Pasuk in Hosea that we read this past Shabbat, Shuva Yisrael ad Adonai Elohecha ki ba'avonecha. Return, O Israel, until Hashem your God, for you stumbled upon your sins. Each one of these explanations is gold. Each one will resonate with each person differently. I'm just a messenger here transmitting this valuable information, and it's up to each one of us and you listeners to introspect and allow it to make a difference in your lives. So we begin with number one. We know that natural occurrences which take place day in and day out, the way God runs the world is done through the name Elohim. In fact, the numerical value of the name Elohim is 86, is the same as the word Hateva, which means the nature. It's the wonders of the world, however, the hidden and revealed miracles, which are attributed to the holy name of Hashem, Yudke Bavke. When God is conducting himself in miraculous ways, whichever, whichever that might mean to you, nobody can lay doubt that he is indeed watching and controlling everything around us. The Hashgacha is clear as crystal. Yet when we look at nature, it's not necessarily so. The Emunah isn't always there. We attribute things to science or the way of the world until, God forbid, we begin to doubt. The Jewish people aren't immune to such thinking. You go back to the time of Yahshua, how God miraculously was able to defeat the city of Hebron, the walls crashing down. The Jews thought they were untouchable. And all of a sudden, they entered this small little village, Ai, city of Ai, and thinking that they can manhandle the residents of the town using their own hands without God in intervening, and indeed they suffered a big loss. In more recent memory, I'd like to use the example of the Yom Kippur War, a war where thousands of souls perished due to the army believing that naturally they can defeat the enemy armies. Of course, after the immense, amazing miracles of the Six-Day War, maybe the Jewish army felt that they were un untouchable. This happens, and this happens due to the weight of the sins that bear down upon us. It begins with the feeling that God cannot save us, and it ends with the thought that I'm the only one who can. This mistaken belief comes because of our Averot. The Ramban in Parashat Bo explains that the ultimate purpose of a revealed miracle is to enable people to realize that they are surrounded by miracles every day of their lives. What the world calls nature is also a miracle. 
Our rabbis teach us that to recite Hallel daily is inappropriate, but to say Ashrei Yosvevetecha every day is praiseworthy. Why is that so? The Meshech Chochma explains that the theme of Hallel is praising God for revealed miraculous events. Ashrei, which says, Poteach et yadecha masbiya lechochai ratzon, you, God, open up your hands and satisfy all living creatures' needs, is the ultimate praise for Parnassah. Hashem takes care of our daily needs through seemingly natural ways. Ashrei teaches us to recognize God even in the natural miracles that surround us daily. One who says Hallel daily but neglects the everyday saying of Ashrei demonstrates that he only recognizes God's extraordinary miracles but fails to see the miracles of everyday life. To combat this reaction to miracles, the story of Kriyat Yamsuf is immediately followed by the events of the Silav, which is the bird, the man, and the finding of water in the desert. Meaning God, who performs great miracles, also provides for our daily needs, such as food and water. We are required to elevate the world by always seeing our attainment of Parnassah and the natural world in general as miraculous. Therefore, that's the meaning behind the Pasuk, Shuvah Yisrael, return, O Israel, until the name Elohim, Adashem Elokecha, hinting to Teva, natural occurrence, would become a part of your belief that it's really the name of Yudke Vavke. And the only reason you have these doubts is because Kikashalta Bavonecha, your sins are what stained your faith, what stained your trust to the point that you don't feel that absolutely everything is coming from God, and hence you lose that connection. Number two, the Rambam writes in Hilchot Teshuvah, Mahi Teshuvah, what is Teshuvah? The sinner should leave his sin, and remove from his thoughts any thought of sin, and accept that he will not do it again. And also feel remorse for what happened. And let he who knows what is hidden, that he will not return to this sin ever again. The idea behind the Pasuk, Shuva Yisrael Ad Hashem Lokecha, is that each person must discern whether the Teshuvah that he is doing actually stems from the depths of his heart. The only one who can testify to that is you and God. When you're banging your chest, is it robotic? Am I putting on a show? Or do I fully understand the idea that bagadnu, I betrayed God, gazavnu, I robbed him? So the term ad Hashem Elohecha comes from the root edut, testimony. God will testify to see whether or not your teshuvah is sincere, to check whether or not you will sin again under those exact same circumstances. The rabbi gave a powerful speech about not talking in shul. You said to yourself, I'm going to make a better effort. I promise. Not even a week goes by and there's musical chairs taking place. Instead of Baruch Hu, Baruch Shemo, and Amen, we converse to argue whether masks are working or not, or the outcome of a soccer game or the hockey playoffs. We are so engulfed on COVID protocols that we forget that we're in a Bet Knesset. Maybe God wants us to wear masks so he won't see what we're discussing. 
How many of us said after the first lockdown, we're going to make a better effort to treat the Bet Knesset like a holy place? We all did. But instead, it didn't last. We just reverted back to the old ways. Our sages tell us that a person's teshuvah is confirmed when that individual is faced with the very same temptation, but refrains from acting on it. But what if the individual proceeds to repeat the error? Does that mean that the teshuvah was misrepresented? Not necessarily. It is possible to have very genuine feelings of teshuvah, but still to mess up again. We're all humans. We are all subject to highs and lows. But if it happens again and again and again, it's probably time to rethink the whole teshuvah process. Teshuvah, on its most basic level, consists of two ingredients. Remorse for the bad that was done, and resolving never to do the offensive act again. The first component of teshuvah is relatively easy. It's natural to feel regret over misdeeds and missed opportunities. The second ingredient, however, is more difficult. A pledge to improve often grows weaker by the day. The resolution doesn't always have the wherewithal to resist strong impulses and ingrained habits. Something more than a simple resolution is needed. I once read an amazing analogy to this. If a string snaps, a regular knot won't be enough to keep the two pieces together again. A double knot is required. And the same holds true with teshuvah. Every sin snaps the string that connects a Jew with his creator. A single knot, that is a simple pledge to never commit a sin again, may not endure. A double knot must be used. In the words of the Midrash, a man commits a sin. What shall he do and live? Well, if he was accustomed to studying one page of Torah, let him study two. If he was accustomed to studying one chapter, let him study two chapters. Meaning, don't merely pledge to stop insulting others. Start praising them. Try to find qualities in the very same people you feel like mocking. Go on the offense and create a teshuvah that will endure. Incidentally, the area on the string that is double knotted is thicker, stronger, and more difficult to cut than an area that has never snapped before. So that's Ad Hashem Lokecha, Edut, testimony. Number three. Harav Chida, Zechar Tzadik Livracha, asks in his book, Devash Lefi, how is it possible that vidui, which is confession, words alone can atone for sin? Words can't annul any action. There's a rule, en dibur mevatel ma'aseh. So he answers based on a Gemara in Masechet Sota that states, En adam over avera ela imken ruach shtut. A person will not sin unless this spirit of craziness enters him. But when a person repents, he divorces that spirit. And as a result, acquires a da'at, a form of knowledge in its place. We're created perfectly. We're created by God in the most purest of forms. And now that I sinned, I became a little bit crazy. And I need to divorce myself. I need to separate myself from that craziness. And that's the action. That's the ma'aseh. The fact that my body now went through a transformation where that spirit of craziness left and knowledge comes in place. So now what ends up, I have confession and an action. Both are able to annul the action of sin. So the meaning of the verse is following. 
Your sins cause you to stumble. You develop literally craziness. And now if you just repent, you can acquire dot. What's the strategy? The prophet tells us, Take words with you. The vidui confession. Combine them with the action and you'll be okay. Rabbeinu Bechayen, the Kada Kemach, sees in this pasuk the obligation for vidui, confessing of our sins. Kechu imachem devarim, use your words to express repentance. Of course, the actual obligation is derived from the Torah itself, but this pasuk can be seen as a secondary source. What if one confesses in his mind? Has he fulfilled the obligation to repent? While regretful thoughts are certainly wonderful and have a great impact, and the Gemara actually views these thoughts seriously. Unexpressed thoughts are not as impactful as saying the words out loud. The great Rav Yaakov Weinberg, Zecher Tzadik Livracha, Rosh Yeshiva Avneris from Baltimore, explained that speech is a much greater explosive force than we think. Confessing with speech is very different than merely feeling or thinking it. While it's true that what we think shapes who we are, but what we say actually forms our identity. In fact, the Rambam emphasizes this by stating that a person has to confess with his lips, bisfatav. The phrase with his lips is chosen to underscore the enormous power that speech has in repentance. God knows our thoughts. We are not saying anything for him. Rather, the verbal confession is for our own growth. Thoughts must be released through the lips in order to create a lasting change. Without verbal confession, without speech, teshuvah has not been achieved, and any thoughts of change will most likely dissipate. Number four. Hashem atones the sins of man, even if man overly continues his spiral downward and engages in sin after sin, and he repents and then sins again and again, even hundreds of thousands of times, all in all. Hashem will forgive him every time he performs teshuvah. The truth, as many of us know, isn't the same with human beings. If a person wrongs his friend, even if he is a merciful kind of guy, he will forgive him once or maybe if he's lucky a few times. But it gets to a point where he will refuse to forgive because to man there is a limit on his good midot. There's only so much a person can take. In fact, the only person that can probably get away with messing around with humans over and over again is the weatherman. But God is not so. En He is graceful. He is merciful without any bounds. And hence the meaning of Hosea's powerful words, Shuva Yisrael, return, O Israel, even if you are the type to sin over and over and over again. As long as you repent, God will forgive you. Why? Because Ad Hashem Elokecha. God is everlasting. He's limitless. He's boundless. He's not like human beings. Number five. The Chida explains in one of his abundant books a certain Gemara found in Masechet Yoma. There it states that Rabbi Matya ben Harash asked Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah when he was in Rome, have you heard the teaching that there are four distinctions in the process of atonement? And he said to him, there aren't actually four, there are three, but repentance is necessary for each one. And he began to explain the three of them. Number one, if one violates a positive mitzvah and repents, if someone chose not to shake the lulav on Sukkot but then did teshuvah, he is forgiven even before he moves from his place. Right away, he's forgiven. 
if one violates a prohibition, a negative mitzvah, and repents, then repentance actually suspends his punishment, but it's not until Yom Kippur that atones for a sin. Number three, if one commits a transgression that warrants karet, for example, he ate chametz on Pesach, or a sin punishable by death from the courts below, and then does teshuvah, repentance and Yom Kippur can suspend the punishment, but it's only suffering that absolves and completes the atonement. And lastly, if someone was to cause a desecration of God's name, a chilul Hashem, his repentance has no power to suspend punishment, nor does Yom Kippur have the power to atone for his sin, nor does suffering alone have the power to absolve him. Rather, all these suspend punishment and death absolves him. But the novelty that the Chida brings down is that all of this mention is only if he hasn't learned Torah Lishma for the sake of God. But a person who has sat and studied the Torah of God for the sake of his name and the Mitzvah Limu Torah, he does not belong in these categories. It's interesting, says the Bnei Sashar, that the Chida is going against the rulings of the Talmud since the Talmud makes no mention of that exception. But he actually writes that if the Chida said it, he must have his proofs. He must have his sources. It must be true. If it is established here in the lower courts of earth, no question it was qualified as halacha. The entire Torah is Shemol Shalakados Baruch Hu, the name of God. Through learning it, you actually attach yourself directly to his essence. All the nations of the world will see that God's name is called upon you. And therefore, the meaning of the verse, Shuva Hashem Ad Hashem Lokecha, the name of Hashem should be called upon you. He should be your God through the Torah that you study. And the reason why it's not happening is because you stumbled with your sin. You didn't just transgress the positive commandments, which could have been easily rectified with Teshuvah. There were negative commandments that involved karet. There was chilul Hashem, desecration of God's name that required Kippur or suffering or even death. So the advice to you is kechu imachem devarim, take with you words, the words of Torah. If you learn Torah lishma for the sake of God, like the Chida says, it's an automatic atonement. Lastly, I refer to you to the holy words of the Chovot HaLevavot who states that in the early days the pious individuals would spend most of their day contemplating Teshuvah, even for the smallest sins. There's a rule referred to as Hakol Lefi Hamevayesh Vehamit Bayesh. The scenario is judged based on the person who embarrassed and the one who got embarrassed. If the Mevayesh, if the embarrasser, is a lowly fellow, and he embarrasses someone with authority, someone with clout, someone highly regarded, then the effect of that embarrassment is greater than if they were both people regarded highly or both lowly. The same logic can be used with anger. A person who makes his friend angry, the appeasement must be according to the individual that got angry and the receiver. So you have man, a lowly being, with limited, minute knowledge, Created from dirt, upsetting God, she'en sof lidulato veromemato. There is no end to his greatness, 
Even if man lives to be a thousand years old, he wouldn't fulfill his obligation to appease God for what he did. But sin blinds man to the point that at that moment he forgets the greatness of Hashem and that he's standing in front of him at all times. And only through Tshuva will his eyes witness the light and realize who indeed he made upset. And the more Teshuva that he performs, the more that he will merit to see his greatness. And therefore the Navi tells us, Shuva Yisrael ad Hashem Elokecha. Keep on repenting until you reach the level that you recognize the greatness of God. And we know that that will take every single day of your life. Because you stumble with your sins. The reach today isn't the reach yesterday. And therefore your whole life you are engaged in Teshuvah. May Hashem grant us the ability to achieve Teshuvah Shalima. May we be blessed with success, salvation, and comfort. May we find the strength to constantly pursue God, to connect with Him in everything that we do. Gemar Chatima Tova.